we say that you are great and greatly to be praised, Lord God. And Lord, what we want to do today so much, God, the desire of our heart is what your word says in Psalm 150, to praise you according to your excellent greatness. And so God, let our praise bless you, Lord. Let our worship bless your heart, Lord. We just want to extend and express our love and our worship to you, God. You are above everything, everyone else, and we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, give him praise. <clears throat> Worthy of it. You can be seated. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <clears throat> I'm uh, Aaron Poor, the associate pastor here at Journey Church. Pastor Sean and Becca are away on an adventure celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. So <clears throat> it's an honor to be able to stand in for him while they're gone. And um, I, I want to, before we dive into this message, I want to make a, a quick announcement. Um, this Tuesday evening, we have our Tuesday prayer gathering, our, our monthly Tuesday night prayer gathering here at Journey Church. Now, we didn't do that last month. I was gone on sabbatical. Um, but I want to let you know, this is something we do. We meet monthly um, on Tuesday, the fourth Tuesday night of every month, right here in the auditorium at seven o'clock, and we pray for roughly an hour. And prayer, uh, I'm not preaching on prayer today, but I've, I heard a quote that has always stuck with me that says, prayer is the furnace of the church. Prayer is the furnace of the church. And so it's up to us how much we want to stoke that fire. And so we have a monthly prayer gathering. Now we have TNT nights and things like that throughout the year, but we have a monthly prayer gathering on Tuesday nights, or the fourth Tuesday night, sorry, um, every month here in the auditorium. And it's for you. It's, it's a prayer night. It's not for just for leaders. It's not for the worship team people. It's for you. So all are invited. If you're free, if you're able to be with us to pray together, uh, then I want to strongly encourage you and invite you to be with us to spend time together and pray corporately um, because it's a powerful time. And then also, we have uh, a, an email, and it's prayer at journeykc.com. And this email serves two purposes, two purposes. Number one, if you have a need or if you know someone who has a need, and by creating those two categories, I think I probably covered every single person in this room, then you can send that need, that prayer request in to this email address, prayer at journeykc.com. And what will happen when you do that is your prayer request will go to our prayer ministry team who is on call 24-7, and they will begin praying over that need. And so it's a way for you to know <clears throat> that somebody is praying for that situation. Somebody's praying. And then I told you there were two purposes uh, for that. The other purpose is, if God has done something in your life and you want to share that story, you can also use prayer at journeykc.com to do that. Because uh, your story, your testimony, some people might call it your praise report, 
is a powerful thing for two reasons. Number one, it's one of the ways that we give God glory. And if God's done something for you, then you should give him glory. You know, don't hold on to that. Give him glory. And number two, when you share your story of what God's done for you, it stirs up faith in someone else to step out and believe for God to do something in their life. So it has a twofold purpose, both very important. So if you have a need, prayer at journeykc.com. If you have a story of what God's done, prayer at journeykc.com. Send those emails in and we will get those to the right places. Okay, so we are in the top 10 message series. Um, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of the 10 commandments because as I'm thinking through these 10 different things, I'm wondering to myself, if God set out to say, I'm going to create a list of 10 things that people should do or not do. There's probably more than 10 things, right? In fact, if you, you know, if you dive back into the Old Testament and Leviticus and you start reading through all of the different things, Pastor Sean touched on some of this stuff recently, you'll see there are actually many, many more things. But what makes that top 10 list, right? And so we've seen some, you know, uh, don't worship idols, keep the Sabbath holy, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. We, we've seen these things that have made the top 10 list. And it, it kind of makes you wonder, this is, this, is, this, this is how God sees these issues. This is his top 10. And so the one we're looking at today is in Exodus 20, verse 12. And it says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then this is an interesting one because it pops up again in the New Testament when Paul is writing his letter to the Ephesians. So Ephesians 6, 2 through 3 says this, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. So Paul basically just repeats it verbatim and then he kind of adds in this footnote by the way, notice that this commandment is the first one that comes with a promise attached to it. So if we're going to dig into this and what does it mean, we have to look at, revisit the meaning, the definition of the word honor. And, you know, honor may have been diluted. I don't know. Maybe we need to look at what honor really means. And so... Just the simple Webster's definition is to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect, to give special recognition to. So this, uh, the idea of how fathers and mothers should be treated um, is throughout the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. It's not just in the Ten Commandments. It's not just in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This theme reoccurs all throughout the Bible. It's something, when you look at the full context of the Word of God, it's clearly something very important to God. 
Um, and a lot of it shows up uh, in, throughout the book of Proverbs. It shows up again and again. I want to read you just a few of these kind of rapid fire succession here to kind of give you a bigger picture. Proverbs 23, 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 30, 17 says, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. This isn't family Sunday, right? Okay, just, just checking, just checking. Proverbs 20, 20 says, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Proverbs 19, 26 says, he who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. <clears throat> Proverbs 28, 24 says, whoever robs his father or his mother and says, that is no transgression, is a companion to a man who destroys. And then Deuteronomy 27, 16 says, cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, amen. amen. So we've hit on something significant. You know, I mean, when you're thinking about the top 10 of God's commandments, you've got this, don't worship idols, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I get, those are obvious things, right? But then you've got this honor your father and mother thing, and it's like, I know that's important, but does it belong there in the top 10? But it does. Obviously, from God's perspective, it's something very significant and very serious. So Paul, when he restates this commandment, he says, that it's the first commandment with a promise. The first commandment with a promise. And this promise is not so much a reward. It's not so much God saying, if you'll just do this thing, I'm going to give this to you. The promise is more a reason. So it, the, the promise is talking about long life connected to honoring your father and mother. And the promise is more a reason. A reason that you would have long life is because you honored your father and mother. So why is long life tied to honoring your father and mother? And so here's a question I want to pose. At what point does honor affect life expectancy? At, at what point does honor affect life expectancy? When do they become cause and effect? Now, it's my belief that many modern parents, and when I say modern parents, I don't mean anybody in this room, but I think many modern parents so highly value the love of their children, but not to the same degree do they value the honor of their children. And so, do you see what I'm saying? So I think that many modern parents desperately want their children to love them, but the idea of their children honoring them does not occupy the same priority. Now, I know that's a kind of a blanket statement and maybe a bit of an assumption, but I do think there's truth to it. But see, here's the interesting thing. God's word commands us to love God. It commands us to love our neighbor 
It commands us to love the stranger. God's word even commands us to love our enemies. But it commands us to honor our mother and father. Now, that's not in any way implying that uh, we're not supposed to love our mother and father. But the command is specifically to honor. And so there's a difference there. So what's the connection between honoring your father and mother and long life? How do those two things connect to each other? Why is that a promise associated with that commandment? Now, I do believe um, that there are spiritual reasons for that. I believe there's something supernatural that does occur when you obey that commandment and you honor your father and mother. But there are also natural reasons. There's also practical reasons. And so Japan is a good case study for this. And I don't know how many of you knew this or not, but Japan has one of, if not the highest, life expectancy of any country in the world. Very, very high. I believe, um, according to their own departments of health, human services type of thing, the life expectancy in Japan for women is 90 years old and for men it's 84 years old. That's much higher than it is here. In fact, in Okinawa, Okinawa, Japan, uh, it's sometimes referred to as the land of the immortals. And does anybody in here know what a centenarian is, if I'm even pronouncing that right? A centenarian, I'm checking the word, I'm sounding it out, I'm using my phonics right here. Centenarian. A centenarian is someone who's 100 years old or more. So in Okinawa, in this relatively small place, there are over 400 centenarians. In fact, um, the lady that was the world record holder for the oldest living person, uh, and she passed away recently, she lived in Okinawa, and she died at the age of 117. So we've got these people in this culture, right, who statistically speaking live very long. And, when, and in comparison with other cultures and countries, they live much longer than a lot of other people do. And also in this culture, there is an incredible extreme emphasis placed on honoring fathers and mothers and elders and ancestors. It's an unusual amount of honor given to elders, fathers, mothers. And so you see these two unique features of this culture, extreme life expectancy and extreme honor given to mothers and fathers. In fact, it, it even becomes a part of their religion. It's called filial piety. It's tied back into Confucianism and Buddhism, and they take it very very seriously to give honor to elders, to mothers, to fathers, to ancestors. And so again, Exodus 20:12, what does it say? Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, so how, if this is, if there is a practical thing here beyond a supernatural spiritual cause of this, what is happening, you know? Why, why would you see a culture where an unusual amount of honor is given to this group of people, fathers, mothers, and then you also see an extraordinary life expectancy in this culture? What's the, so 
honor the, the question that we just asked um, was, at what point does honor affect life expectancy? And I think at this point, we can, we can try for an answer. Honor has the power to, uh, to impact life expectancy when it becomes a culture. So when a culture, when you create a culture of honor by honoring your parents, then your children will be raised in that culture and they will give you honor as well. So see what happens? You're creating a repetitious cycle that's handed down from generation to generation. You create a culture of honor. It's just how you are. It's just the way things work in your house. You honor. You honor your father and your mother. And then you're a father and, your mother, and, and a mother. And then your children honor you. And then they have kids and their kids honor them. And it, and it passes on from generation to generation. You create a culture. And sometimes one of the easiest ways to understand how something works is to look at its opposite or the other side of the coin. So if instead of creating a culture of honor, you are uh, constantly talking about how wrong everyone else is at home, or you come home, let's say that you are, you have a face that you wear, you know, when you're out and about, or when you're here at church, or wherever. But then when you get home, the mask comes off, and it's like, this person did that, I don't agree with this, this person needs to change, you know, and just negativity and toxicity starts coming out, then you're actually creating a culture of negativity and dishonor. And then that culture is passed down to your children. And then when you find yourself in that place of being older with adult children, then that culture comes back to bite you. And so that's why it's so important. I believe that's one of the reasons, I think that's one of the reasons why this is in the top 10. Because the, the 10 commandments are given to us because God loves us. And if we follow these things, we have a better life, not a worse life. And so God wants us to create a culture of honor, not a culture of dishonor. And what I want to focus on really today is not so much the idea of children honoring their adult parents. I want to focus a little more in on adults honoring their parents. And to get a little better look at that, this guy, there's this guy that Pastor Sean likes to use sometimes for an, a video illustration that's kind of funny. And he's talking about this. And so let's just real quick see what Joe McGee has to say about adults honoring their parents. You know, you get asked a lot uh, parenting scriptures and so forth about your kids. The next generation, Ephesians 6, the classic scripture. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, actually, it says, verse 1, Children, obey your parents to the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the very first commandment, the very first commandment with a promise. What? Honor your father and mother, that it might be well with you and you live long on the earth. And, by the way, fathers, and the word fathers, it means mom and dad. Uh, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I get asked all the time, well, how do you honor your family? Well, how do you honor anybody? Honor is usually done in public. 
We're going to have an honor ceremony. We have an honor guard. We're going to have an honor society. Uh, we recognize them. We give them pins. We give them uh, things for their blazer. We have a, a public thing. We're going to give the, the medal of honor. It's something done publicly. And so there are no perfect parents. They don't exist. There are no perfect parents because parents didn't have perfect parents. But hopefully each generation is growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus. Now, I meet people all the time. Man, my dad was mean, never loved us. Man, my mom never cared about us. Never did. And so how can I honor that? Well, you honor the office. I tell people, we are to honor the office of our parents. Uh, the Bible says we are to pray for those in authority, all those in authority. We're to pray for them, that we might live a quiet and peaceful life in all godless and honesty. Well, I didn't vote for those in authority. It didn't say whether you voted for them or not. It said we are the salt and the light. We're to pray for them. Now, Daniel found this out, you know, almost the hard way. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get carried off into captivity. So they're over there in, you know, in Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar's the king, and, man, he's a mean old boy. He's whipped everybody in the world. And so they're over there, and so God told him, said, there came a letter from Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 29, and says this, to all those carried away captive whom I've caused to be carried away captive, build ye houses, dwell in, plant a garden, eat the fruit, Find yourself a girlfriend, make your wife, get married, have some children, marry your spouses off to godly spouses, and pray for the peace of the city I've caused you to be carried away captive to. For in the peace thereof, you shall have peace. Now, he's told Nebuchadnezzar, ne uh, listen, Nebuchadnezzar's come kill, they, he's killed Daniel's parents, uh, he's burnt down his house, he's made him a slave in a foreign land, and God says, Daniel, the man that killed your family, burnt down your city, made you a slave. I need you to pray for him. Why? Because you're going to be the determining factor. You need to honor the office of king. He's a wicked king, but you can pray for him. If you pray for him, you'll live a quiet and peaceful life. But if you don't pray for him, you're probably coming home early. So I've always told people, you need to honor the office of your mom and dad. Now, how do you do that? Well, simple things. Number one, send them a birthday card. You know, get them something for Christmas. You know, take them into dinner every now and then. Now, I've got some parents, I know there's extremes. I've got people I love, great godly people in the ministry, whose parents still cuss a blue streak, hate their guts. And they've tried to do things, buy them cars, pay for their home, get them health when they can't afford health insurance, and, pay, and still get cussed out and dropped out. But they still honor the office of their parent. My parents never hugged me or loved me, they said, but I take care of them. Their needs are met. I honor that office. We're to honor the office of a mother and a father. It's not where they did what's right. It's the office we're going to honor. You got have, you have to settle up with God. You get to heaven. It's what kind of parent you were or were not, you know, what your heart was. But as a child, I am commanded to honor the office of a parent. So I'm not going to ridicule you, backbite you, cheat you, lie about you, steal you, steal your money, or steal my inheritance from you. I'm going to honor the office because in doing that, I believe my children are going to honor us in the next generation. Let's honor our parents, guys. Do what's right because it's right to do what's right. God bless. Yeah, it's good. So uh, an easy way, I think, to think about this concept is, he kind of touched on it just real quickly, is you can look at it how it works in other contexts. You know, it's like, think about the office of the president of the United States. I mean, we've had presidents that I liked and we've had presidents that I didn't like, but from one to the other as different people occupy that office, I still honor the office. 
of President of the United States. It's not like that changes from person to person. Again, I may not like every single person that occupies that office, but I still honor the office. And I think it's even more powerful and significant when it comes to honoring your father and mother. I think that's a bigger deal than honoring the office of the President of the United States. And listen, honor to parents is more about what's coming out of you than even what's going to them. And when you look at it that way, it, it becomes less relevant that your, parent, that your father and your mother are honorable or dishonorable. And in a, in a way, you may even be in a situation where your father and your mother aren't even here anymore. Maybe they've passed on. But you can still honor them. You can still be, you can still be a person who gives honor, whether they're honorable, dishonorable, or alive, or passed away. Honor can still proceed out of you. So if you honor the office of father and mother, then it doesn't depend on how honorable they are. And so honor can look different. It, it, can, it, can, it can manifest itself in different ways. Honor can be a very tangible thing, a very intentional thing, um, like, you know, uh, keeping in touch, checking in on a father or a mother, uh, attending to needs if that's necessary. And then it can take on a more intangible, subtle uh, manifestation as well. But if you look at those tangible things, if we're dealing, in other words, if we're dealing with a situation where we have a living father, a living mother, and we have created a culture of honor, you can begin to see how that culture would actually affect the life expectancy of a person in that stage of life. You know, uh, there, there would be times where, uh, you know, and again, going back to Japan and some other Asian cultures, um, the way that things are handled at that stage of life is tied in with the idea of honor and it actually has an effect on health and well-being of people that are in that stage of life. So creating a culture of honor, uh, you give honor when you are in that place, um, and you will receive honor as well. And it can actually affect your life expectancy. So we want to create a culture of honor. But then giving honor is also an indicator. Giving honor is an indicator. It's an indicator of who you are. It tells, it tells others something about who you are. It's a revealer of what's inside. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. So we're talking about two different types of people here. Proverbs is talking about a wise son or a mocker. And it says that, a, that a, a marker for a wise son is that he heeds his father's instruction. But a marker for a mocker, say that again five times, <laughs> is that he does not listen to his father's rebuke. Or, yeah. And so giving honor is an indicator. It's an indicator of your honor. 
Being able to give honor, this is like, this just makes perfect sense if you think about it. Being able to give honor is an indicator of your honor. You can't give something that you don't have. So you're able to give honor only because you have honor, right? Or you could say, you could take it further and say, you're able to give honor because you are honorable, because you're honorable. Now, I didn't have this in my notes when I turned all this into Jeremy, so we don't have this for the screen, but I want to read it to you anyway. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 through 21 says this. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. What that's saying is, think about what is a vessel, right? A vessel is a container. It's, it's, it's an object that has the purpose of holding and containing a substance, right? And, and in 2 in Timothy there, it's describing us as being containers of honor or dishonor. And so if you are a container of honor, then you have honor to give Giving honor is an indicator of, of the honor that you contain. And one of the ways, and this is, this is a powerful thing right here. This will, help, this will help some of you who struggle with this commandment. Because you were raised in an environment or in a background by people that were dishonorable. Let's just not men's words. You, you were raised in an environment by a mother or a father that makes it very difficult for you to embrace the idea of giving them back honor. This will help you. Be, so one of the ways that we who are adults honor our parents is by living an honorable life. So you may think of all those tangible things that I talked about, about checking in on them and and, and meeting needs and spending time and, and phone calls and all that stuff. And you're like, man, I don't even have a relationship. They won't even talk to me. I mean, they just cuss me out every time I try. How am I supposed to give them honor? One of the ways that you can do that is by simply living an honorable life. And that, listen, when people see the honorable life that you live in your words, in your conduct, and your attitude, that goes back to the people that raised you. Even if it's not because of the way you were raised, they still get honor for your life. And there may be a part of your justice-seeking self that says, that's not right, they shouldn't get honor for the life that I live because they didn't raise me to be this way. But yet this is what we're commanded to do. Honor your father and your mother, that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So they get credit for your honorable life. You're honoring them by showing the world how great of a job they did raising you. And uh, I asked my parents last week to kind of chime in on this subject as I was working on this message, just a general perspective on everything. And they said... 
You bring us honor every time you speak and move according to God. And so here's the truth. It's like, if I do something for the Lord, I'm not necessarily thinking directly about them. Sometimes I'm just doing something for God. But what happens is by doing that and making those choices and living that lifestyle, honor makes its way back to them. And they receive honor for an honorable life that I live. Um, (laughs) When I was about 13 or so, um, my parents were pastors at a church. And um, during this stage of the church, we, uh, the church was located on a property in downtown St. Joseph, and it had four buildings on it. I've actually got a top-down view of this. This is a stroll down memory lane for Sean here. Um, and so on the top of the picture there is the church building. It's a super old Catholic church, great big building. In the middle was a building that was used for the church offices and elementary school classes. And it was a pretty big kind of a, kind of a house, sort of a mansion kind of a thing. And then uh, the gray building that you see, the gray roof there was a school building where we had our, our high school classes. We had a school and that's where we went to school. And then at the bottom of the picture, there's another building that was used for storage. And so at the young age of 13, being a, a, you know, a typical 13-year-old boy, uh, my dad gave me keys to all of these buildings. And so I had access to all of these buildings. And uh, you, you better believe that me and Sean and, our, and a couple of our friends, we were in every attic, we were in every basement, we were in every crawl space, That church up on the top of the picture had a a steeple, a bell tower, that if you went up to the top of it, you could see Atchison, Kansas. We were up there, and we were all over the place. We took full advantage of access to these buildings. Um, That's where Sean and I got our first uh, experience, uh, you know, rocking out on drums and guitars. The church picnic would be going on kind of there in the middle of the parking lot, and we'd find a room somewhere and set up and play loud music, but, but it was a big deal to me that with that privilege and that access that I had, that I not do anything dishonorable, that I not do anything that would turn around and then bring dishonor to my dad who had given me that privilege. Because if I would have gone in somewhere and broken something or messed something up, Um, then that would have come back to him and that would have been, that would have brought dishonor on him. And so was I intentionally thinking I want to honor my father and mother so that I may live long in the land? No, but I was, I was raised in a culture of honor. And so it was already programmed into me that you don't do things that bring dishonor on your father and your mother. And so this is a really powerful concept. It's a really powerful principle. Um, 
And, it can, and like I said, it continues down from generation to generation. Some of you, if you're on social media, you may have seen my post this last week where Kelsey had a birthday, and I said a similar thing to her of, Kelsey, your lifestyle brings honor to your mother and I. And so this culture of honor continues on. And if you have a family background that was not a culture of honor, you have the wonderful privilege and opportunity to establish it now and, it, and for it to carry on from here on out. And the way you establish it is by living a life that sends honor back up the tree. Um, so Proverbs fifteen twenty says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. And also, let me say this, at, while we're on this subject, because listen, I understand, I completely know that not everybody has the same experience. And when you walk in on a Sunday morning and we're talking about honoring your father and mother, it can be a sensitive subject. So let me say this. There is a distinction between honoring and obeying. So they're not the same thing. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says this. Listen to this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. We already read this. Uh, that it may go well with you in the, in the, you may live long in the land. The verse, verse one is directed to children. And it's directing children to obey parents. And then you notice in verse two, you're directed to honor a father and a mother. Now, I don't want to get too far down into the weeds of, of, of details and distinctions here. But a parent is a role, and it's a temporary role. So I'm a parent right now, but I also have children who are adults. And my role as, as parent in their life begins to gradually diminish until it really doesn't exist anymore. There's a certain point where I'm no longer parenting and raising a child. I have a daughter who's an adult. And then the role changes. And she will still give me honor. But she's not supposed to obey me for the rest of her life. Don't do that. Hey, Dad, I'm thinking about buying this car. No, don't do that. It doesn't work that way. The, the, the role of parent has a shelf life. And there's a point where your children grow up, become adults, and leave the home. And then that role changes. And, and we could, I mean, this could be a whole other message, but we're not going to get into the weeds of that. But parent is a temporary role. Father and mother is more a part of identity. So in other words, parenting is something you do. Father, mother is something you are. So verse 1 is directed at children for a reason, for a purpose, because we think of children as being an age range, right? We don't think of a 46-year-old child, hopefully. Unfortunately, sometimes it's like that. But, but we don't, it's not meant to be that way. So I, I'm saying that because if you feel tension or a, or, or a form of conflict inside because you're in 
um, an unbalanced or an unhealthy relationship as an adult with a parent, um, you have a uh, biblical permission to remove yourself from that influence. As an adult, you're not called to obey parents. You're called to honor father and mother. So though we aren't commanded as adults to obey parents, we are commanded to honor. And let me take that one step further. Um, that, that requirement to honor parents definitely does not mean imitating ungodly parents. So honor is not imitation. And so if you're in a, if you are in a situation or a scenario where you have a clearly ungodly father, ungodly mother making very ungodly decisions and choices, honoring them does not mean that you repeat or imitate those choices. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel 20. And I said to their children in the wilderness, do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. If a parent ever instructs a child to do something that clearly contradicts God's commands and God's word, that child must obey God. This is the truth. Acts 5.29 says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. So, you may have dishonorable parents. You may come from a tough background. You will have to get to a place where you can say, I'm not going to allow how dishonorable they are to affect or control how honorable I am. So I'm not at the mercy of their dishonor. Because people, listen to this, people who give honor are powerful people. And powerful people can love without being loved back. Powerful people can love without being loved back. We have a startling illustration of both honoring and dishonoring a parent in one of Noah's less than stellar moments. And I want to read it to you real quick. Genesis 9, starting in verse 20. It says, Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Bad job, Noah. Dishonorable. And Ham... The father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father, Noah, and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward. They did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall, be, shall he be to his brothers. And he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Now, there's, there are there are differing interpretations of this account and what actually happened. I'm just going to go by what it actually says happened. And what happened is Noah did something dishonorable. 
one of his sons saw what had happened and then went and gossiped about it. It didn't protect the honor of his father, but exposed his shame. His other two sons protected his honor. They refused to even look at him in dishonor. They walked into the tent backwards, looking the opposite direction. Each one of them held a blanket over their shoulder. They walked backwards until they were able to lay the blanket down without looking at their father, and they covered his shame. And what came out of this was a blessing and a curse. A curse for Ham and a blessing for Shem and Japheth. So do we expose shame or do we protect honor? If we have a father or a mother who has been dishonorable, do we expose shame or do we protect honor? I mean, we're, we're given kind of an example here. There's an option there. It, it's a, and let me try to make this a little easier. Again, I want to be very uh, sensitive and sympathetic to anyone who's uh, come up in a very difficult situation. And as a follower of Jesus, it's easier to show honor to a dishonorable father or mother when you realize that you've been born into an eternal family in the kingdom of God. Something has happened. Something has stopped here and something new has started here and the old is gone and the new has started. So it's possible to seek the kingdom of God uh, along with those kingdom relationships first and still honor your father and mother. And as we start kind of coming in for a landing here, I want to just illustrate this to you from Jesus himself. Matthew 12 Verse 46, it says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So what Jesus does here." Uh, in a very clear, succinct way, is he gives us a very simple definition of who our heavenly, eternal family are. He said, do you want, he's like, do you want to understand who's in your heavenly, eternal family? It's whoever does the will of our Father in heaven. And he also, in that same moment, creates a priority of one over the other. Now, unless you start thinking that Jesus is saying, focus on that and forget everything else. You know, you don't have to honor your father and your mother anymore because you've got a heavenly family now. That's not the case either. Because Jesus, like he always does, he brings everything into a perfect balance. And so you see Jesus on the cross in his last moments of life. He honors his mother. So John 19, 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sisters, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So listen, as the oldest son of Mary, Jesus was honor bound 
to care and for and honor his mother. And most scholars believe that at this point, Mary was a widow. So that was Jesus's obligation to honor his mother. And before he dies on the cross, he basically adopts her to John, his disciple. And he honors her in that way. And again, you see this whole culture of honor and life expectancy and all of these things played out in this act. So one of the last acts of Jesus on the cross was to honor his mother. So there's something wonderful contained in this commandment. Again, I believe that the Ten Commandments are for us because God loves us. And let me go ahead and have the band come back up. We're going to wrap this up. But honor, just to kind of summarize, just to kind of put it all in a little package to give you as you leave today. Honor is a culture we create. Honor is a culture that we create. It's not so much the little acts that we would think of as honoring our parents. It's a culture we create. And once we get used to that culture, once we, you could say, acclimate to that culture, it becomes self-sustaining because it gets ingrained in our children. And then they create a culture of honor in their homes as they go out and establish their life. They have kids and it continues. And we also, we give honor because we have honor to give. God has honored us and we have honor to give to others. And also we talked about someone else's lack of honor doesn't have any influence on our ability to give honor. We give honor because God requires it. We give honor because we look like Jesus when we do it. And we give honor because it reveals the kingdom of God to a world that desperately needs the kingdom of God. And so let's go ahead and stand. <clears throat> Father, <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful that you care for us, that you think about us, that you have gone to these great lengths to give us borders and boundaries and guide rails to keep us from going off into error or failure or disaster. And Lord, for each one of us in this room, whether we were raised in a culture of honor or whether we are making a choice to establish a culture of honor for the first time, Lord, we're grateful for this kingdom principle. We're grateful for this kingdom reality and we say we want it, Lord. We choose it, we respond, we say yes to it, Lord God. Lord, we will give honor because we've been honored. We will honor others. We won't create a culture of dishonor. Lord, we're not gonna look at people through the lens of our opinion because then we know everybody else will always be wrong and we'll always be right and we know that's not true. And so, Lord God, right now, as, as your, the truth of your word seeps into our heart, Lord, let it bear fruit in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just say that you are great. You are awesome. There's nobody like you in heaven or earth, Lord. And we just worship you right now. <clears throat>